hello, all my peeps. Yes, it's hump day. Thank you for tuning in. Turning around with Marta, podcast of bizarre nature. Anything and everything goes here. I hope you will stick around and keep on following and listening because you never know what you're going to get. Let's get started, shall we? Where? Oh, there she is. Hi, sexy. Hola. Hello. Hello, good morning. Good morning. I'm just technical support. No. Oh. Oh. Yeah. You're going to be there behind the scenes? Yes. That's okay. right. Okay. We are joined by Tyler. So I am uh, 26 years old and I am a certified peer support specialist which is basically um, supporting people in recovery on their journey. I facilitate group settings and I have one-on-one sessions with clients that are going through addiction. And I basically just support them on their recovery, what that looks like for them. And this is on a serious note. We are starting a show with something that a lot of people struggle with and it needs to be talked about. It needs to, you know, be out there so people who need help hear it. And even though some people might not know that they have a problem, um, also need to hear it. So let's start with however you want to start. Dive in. So how did it start, basically, for you? My addiction or my sobriety? To addiction. Oh, man. Yeah. Um. Well, to be honest, I I believe that what started my addiction was genetics. I think it was kind of inevitable for me to become an alcoholic and an addict. Um, from the first time I tried alcohol, it, it kind of did something different inside of me. And it became this thing that I was always looking for and always wanting. Um, so... I started drinking whenever I was pretty young and then it would just get progressively worse uh, as I got older and could access it more. It led me to do a lot of things I wouldn't do sober and it put me in um, a lot of really crappy situations that I wouldn't wish upon anybody and just as I got older it just it progressively got worse and worse. I would use more and more and it started with alcohol and then it progressed on to cocaine. So yeah, it just, I, I feel like it was pretty much inevitable for me to become an alcoholic and a drug addict. And it doesn't depend on, I want to put up input. It doesn't depend on um, what your parents do, if they drink or not, what your house is like, if it's full of love or not. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, it definitely doesn't, depend on how you're brought up I feel like you can be in any situation whether your parents are um, alcoholics and drug addicts or if they don't use anything at all Um, you can have education about it um, which you did which I did but that didn't stop it I still chose to drink and use yeah I don't really think it matters your culture or anything yes I agree I mean you have very loving parents and you know it you would never think this would happen but it does happen to really good families definitely yeah you don't have to be raised by werewolves i mean you you will it's just gonna happen you know i mean honestly so i'm glad that you're sharing this because that's that's the stigma i think for many people oh i didn't know they had everything and loving family and yeah, right. But you're you're in that space where it just attacks you. It doesn't matter what's around you. It's just something triggers you to, you know, within. Yeah, it could be trauma. It could, and it's like we're tiny and we can see something and don't don't understand in our brain. Right, we're little kids or whatever we see something or we're around something or something happens and we in our brain it's in there 
and it will come out mm -hmm. later on. I th I see a lot of people who went through something traumatic, not even realizing so much then what happened, and then it just triggers at any point. Yeah. So. Yeah. In in my experience, um, it sort of like awoken something inside of me, and it it made me feel whole, like it was it just it filled fulfilled me inside it was something that was missing and I found like it just it completed me and I I fell in love with it and I couldn't imagine ever living without it yeah that's that's the tough part because then you rely on it and you that's your life like you don't see anything without it and how how are you gonna make it through the day and how you're gonna face anything that's coming or next day like if I don't do this today how am I gonna even deal with it tomorrow well there are ways to do that so we will talk about your journey to you know let it go and what what was it like to finally decide that I mean did you hit rock bottom how did it happen for you so I would definitely say that um personally I hit rock bottom it was sort of like a sequence of events um really bad things kept happening to me the more I used and the more I drank and then one um specific experience was really terrible and it kind of led to where I had one sober morning I didn't use the night before woke up and I was sober and I was sitting there with my thoughts and kind of reliving what had just happened to me and then I seen something on the internet um, of a lady I think it was maybe a tiktoker she was sharing that she had a problem and the type of things that were happening to her and what she was doing with her addiction and then in that moment, I had this like epiphany, spiritual awakening type, um, realizing that I had a problem and I needed to do something about it if I didn't want these really bad things to keep happening. So in that moment, I made the decision that I was never going to drink or use again. I was still really on the fence about it, contemplating it, and then really early recovery, I still wasn't 100% sure that that was a decision that I was going to be making for the rest of my life. But as I kept going and kept using determination to try to make it work, I saw like the horizon or the bright side of being sober. I felt good. That's good. I am glad you did. Thank you. And of course... Yeah. I mean, it is really, it is really important. Um, whenever we're in active addiction, there's like so many different things that come into play. It's not, it's not just like wanting to have fun. It's not just the buzz. A lot of the time mental health comes into play and I am someone who has always struggled with mental health and drinking and using made it worse. And I would have these times where I would get really low. And at one point I tried to kill myself and well, I succeeded in killing myself. I took two bottles of um, anxiety medication and sedatives. And I was also extremely drunk and I went to the um, emergency room and I overdosed in the emergency room. And I think that's a, a really big thing that we really don't like to hear about or talk about, but things like that happen really often. There's a really big suicide rate with addiction. And I would like to let the listeners know that that was whenever I was really young. I was, I think I was um, 21 when that happened. That was two, three years prior to getting sober. So that, that wasn't enough. 
for me to stop because whenever I got out of that hospital after being in there detoxing for five days, I went back to the same thing. I told my mom I was done, but I lied <clears throat> and I wasn't done. Wow. So how many tries basically was it for you to actually, you know, stay clean and just have a longer period of that clean time where you actually realize that it's you know it's working where is she chiming in there um i think i would like to chime in that i don't think that the first time that she quit drinking at the rehab was her choice no it was my choice to do that and it wasn't her choice to get sober yet yeah right. that's why she didn't become sober after that yeah, the first time, whenever I I was I did have a, a little five day period of sobriety, that wasn't my choice, and I was I was fucking pissed that I woke up in that hospital and I couldn't drink, <clears throat> and I charmed everybody, all the staff, the counselors, told them I the was therapist. fine, the therapist told them I was fine. Yeah. I lied my ass off. I wasn't done. So I feel like we make the decision whenever we're ready and I was not ready then. So overall, it took me two tries. The second time it worked and I'm lucky because it takes people sometimes up to, I mean, I've heard of people going to detox 14 times. But yeah, I mean, you, it's amazing what you accomplished so far. Thank you. You're welcome. So yeah, it, it took me overall two times. The second time it worked. I'm grateful that it worked because I was ready. Now, it, just because I was ready doesn't mean it won't work for someone else who isn't ready. There's a lot of people that need help in getting clean and sober. I was lucky enough. Well, I... I probably could have used the help and it would have made my journey a lot easier, but I was in a very shitty situation in an abusive relationship and I wasn't allowed to reach out for help. So I had to reach internally and do it for myself and just try to do it on my own to my best ability. So I took the determination that I would use to get drunk and high and I flipped it and used that determination to stay sober yeah that's that's a good twist on it but you have to be ready you yeah. can't just be attacked by family or anyone you know the intervention it makes you think about it I'm sure but then you go well that's my life. Like, you're not ready. You have to be ready. I thought about it several times, especially when my mom was crying and screaming at me. That would make me think about it. But then it would flip and I would think, okay, I, but then I'd have to do this without it and this without it. And well, then you can't do that and you can't do this. So I would have those thoughts, but then I would talk myself out of it. I never, I never wanted to stop. Even whenever I did stop, I was still contemplating it and I still wanted to do it. But at one point you have to like, kind of realize what, what do you need to do to get better? How can your, how can your life get better? How can these really bad things stop happening to me? You have to start seeing your worth and your future like how long can i sustain this yeah and i mean at for the self-worth it, it really didn't come into play at first i didn't feel i had no confidence i didn't feel worthy i was at rock bottom but i had this psychic change spiritual awakening and like all it was like all of a sudden after i had been sober and clean for maybe about two weeks i just knew what i needed to do everything just it just came to me and I just knew the steps I needed to take well and you can think literally the longer you're you know you're clean your brain starts to function again and at 100 percent and the feelings are real feelings it's not something muffled by substance I guess 
and you feel better physically, you're going to start feeling better mentally, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at first, those those feelings really aren't the best. You, I, me personally, I didn't feel better right away. It took me, I would, I think maybe like six months. It took me to my for my feelings to kind of regulate a little bit more. Not completely, because for my feelings to regulate completely, I would say it took me probably like a year and a half. And that's without help. I feel like if someone were to get help and I had outside support, community support it would come a lot quicker. I've seen other people who are in recovery that did get outside help that were able to manage their, their feelings and stuff a lot better sooner. Um, but yeah, it's it, whenever you do it by yourself like that, in my experience, it could be a very dark place and it's, it's really risky. And from what I've learned now, I think it's best to get help. And it's really important to have that that support, the outside support, sober friends, um, AA, NA, um, just like a community where you could go if you have a sponsor, someone to call whenever you need help. For me personally, it was my mom. Yeah, that's important. Okay. Yeah. Takes the village, basically. And you mentioned like you have to start seeking people who are not doing the same thing. That's important too. I think if you keep in the same circle, you're doing the work, you're getting clean, you're, you know, you're doing it, but you are surrounded by people who are doing opposite. And how do you, how do you let it go? Like, how do you, for somebody who wants to get out of that circle, how do you, what do you tell them to, how to do it? So it's like, yes, friendships have to you have to let go of these people. How how would you do that? Like for some people, they don't think they can stop just so they can be in that sort like yeah, like a, a social you know. setting with your friends. Yeah, even a, a boyfriend, even a partner. You know, you gotta make a decision. Um, I would suggest for someone who's trying to do that to, I mean, be completely honest with those friends or boyfriends or whomever. Um tell them, I mean, you have to make a decision for yourself. You have to separate yourself from that kind of behavior because it can be triggering. It can influence you to maybe <clears throat> relapse or want to continue to do it. Um, you just, you have to tell them that you're, you're doing something that's best for you and that it's nothing personal, but it's just a decision you have to make. Uh, yeah. If they don't support that, then they're not your friend. Addiction is really serious. And if the, these people really you truly love you and care about you they will understand i've i've had to cut all ties with all of my friends that i had growing up for that that reason and it can be lonely but there are people out there that will love you enough and will support you and understand that you can't be around that type of thing exactly yeah it's it's hard but you you have to do it because it's for you even if it's family yeah. you're, that you're getting away from right you have to we, we have to realize our worth and that we are worthy of being happy and getting better and growing. And if our family, our significant others, our friends don't support that, then they, can, they can't be a part of your journey. And right. they don't want you to grow and they're trying to hinder you, then they're not for you. Yeah, exactly. And then you look back, you know, you're still clean and then you're gonna look back at oh what's so-and-so doing and it's like you know they didn't they didn't move on they didn't they just stayed the same or even worse you know because we're getting older like as yeah. you know you can't just keep doing it and think it's never gonna catch up with you and their life is shit you know over yeah. and over again and then you're like oh you know i made the right decision yeah and that's good I have a lot of friends that are still doing the same thing that we were doing. They haven't changed. Well, old yeah. friends, not friends now. The excess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's sad because you can't, you have to stay in your health and your mental health and you can't help them if you know, they don't want to get help. Definitely. Well, it is a journey and, you know, being so young, I'm, I'm glad you're doing it now and not when you're like in your 30s or 40s. I mean, at any age, 
it's never too late for anybody right. to recover. Um, I was lucky that I got out of it early at 23 years old. When it would you say it needed to happen? Yeah. When would you say you started like teens, right? Yeah. Um, I think I had my first, my first drink at prob. I think it was 12 was my first drink. And that was whenever something awoke inside me. And I would just always think, I just loved the idea of it. And I always, I wanted that for myself. And then I would say whenever I turned about 16 was whenever it got really serious and I was doing it often. And then it just kept progressing in age. And whenever I hit 18, 19, that's whatever. It was extremely heavy. Yeah. And then you needed more. So then everything else, you know, you added more stuff to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Always Mm -hmm. more. Nothing was ever enough. Well, when you max out and it's like, yeah, go level up. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So, and then like generational stuff, um, I think with a lot of people maybe struggling just because of the COVID or, you know, like shootings in school and all that stuff. It's, I don't know how like younger people deal with all that. That's just, I think it's overwhelming itself, just living and being a young person in this world. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think it's alcohol is such a normal thing for everybody and everybody does it. And I think like for the younger kids and stuff, it's just, it's so easy to access it. And, you know, for a lot of people, it's just having fun. But for the people that, you know, have the genetics or have the likelihood of becoming an addict, you know, we, we don't stop. Like we're having fun with our friends, but then there's a few of us in that friend group that we, we don't ever stop. We just more and more and more and more. It's like a lifestyle and not just exactly and fun. It's a daily thing. And yeah, we get, we get trained early for that. And you're talking about it's everywhere. Right. Right. When I watch a lot of stuff and being on set. I can tell you those drinks are not real. So for those who are listening, when you watch anything on TV, that shit is either apple juice, that's for the beer, like sparkling apple juice, or if it's wine, it's just grape juice. So hopefully that helps. Like you're watching somebody drink on TV. It's like, no, they're just having like, have fun with it and just say, is it grape juice? Is it what could make this look like that because it's not none of that is alcohol if that helps wow i didn't know that yeah some nasty sometimes it's just a flat soda or something it's just disgusting because you'll take you forget and you take a sip like you're thirsty and you're working on set and you're like oh shit and it's yeah that's (laughs) nothing you want to drink that's non-alcoholic even the ice cubes are fake because they make too much noise oh wow so it's like a lukewarm yes some mystery liquid it just the color has to match. like if it's hard liquor then it's like a flat syrupy thing and it's it's disgusting yeah so if you know like if you're one of those drinkers that looks oh i gotta drink because they're drinking on tv or whatever it's like no they're just having juice put it in a wine glass you know if that helps, put your, you know, just the water in the fancy glass and enjoy it. <laughs> I think that's, that's a trigger uh, for sure when you see it on TV. You know, like the when they took out the cigarettes, oh, you can't have a cigarette after on TV. But then the way they got away with it is, okay, we're going to make a movie in 1950s. 1960s 1970s anything before the ban so now they're allowed to show down the tv because it's a period piece Mm -hmm. there's always a way to get around that which sucks because that's why i like certain shows or movies that don't have anything to do with stuff like that like you're it's just so easy to watch because you're not triggered and you're not you know, you're not influenced by what they're doing. Also, Marta will appreciate this like you appreciate it. 
Holy. Look at this. Where is your hair? Right here. Oh. There's a lot of it, girl. Hey, look at my Ew! I haven't shaved That's since so November. No. Was it August? Look at this. I haven't shaved since Vegas, and that was all. Since Vegas? Yeah. Shit. Look at mine. It looks like a man. Well, I look like a man. Like. Woo, see? Oh, wow. She doesn't. I just shaved. Oh, shit. Tyler's smooth. Mine was bad. <laughs> and then it kept popping out through my work pants, and I didn't want any clients. I don't want to show you this. I don't want to see it. <laughs> This one's real bad, Mark. I don't wanna. What are you showing me now? It's uh, coming through the back. The raccoon is coming out of my crotch. I wasn't ready for a bush talk. Long, I don't shave those often. Oh yeah, those are even longer. And then right here. Oh. Oh bush? shit. <laughs> For boost? Yeah, it's bad. Yeah, it's bad when it sticks out of your pants. That just yeah. went somewhere else. Oh boy. It's hard to come back from that. <laughs> well, it's a lighter segment now that you know, I think the hard part was to get through the, the beginning. And we left off with you know, simple things as watching a movie or, you know, being around something like that. Do you have to, like, um, do you, uh, I can't speak, um, do you avoid watching certain things just because it triggers you or triggers things when you were starting or, like, you know, different obviously different uh, severities of what was going on like do certain things trigger you these days um these days i really i don't have much of a problem with watching or listening to things that involve drinking or using um now now it's more frustrating to see it just because I I just get really annoyed at the whole drinking culture and how it's literally everywhere, gas stations, grocery stores, on TV, on the radio. Um, it has so much promotion. Um, in early recovery, I could not watch something on the TV. I couldn't listen to music talking about it. It was extremely triggering. Um, what I did personally was I shut I shut the world out. I deleted all my social media. I stopped watching TV and I stopped listening to music. I don't suggest that for everyone, but that's just something that I had to do in my personal recovery. Um, so it it does get easier with watching that type of thing and like listening to music that has that or um, you know outside triggers like that. It did take me a while, though. It took me up and it took probably two years, I would say, it took me to be okay with that type of thing. And it took me almost, actually, it took me three years to be in the same room with it. But even now, I have my good days and I have my bad days with it, just like everybody else. Right. Yeah. I mean, like my kids don't do anything. And my younger one will say, you know, why is it in every store? Why is it just have your store with just the booze? But yeah, why can't we just the booze and cigarettes in one place and not have it available in grocery store where children and, you know, create a safe type of store where it's not in your face or at least you know, some stores actually keep it in a, like a special room, you know, off to the side where it's not in your face. And, you know, you might never get to that section of a store. And mm -hmm. I think that's that would help people who 
are starting their journey and you know you have to get groceries but you know it's there it's like you know punting you in the back so i think mm -hmm. i i like his idea that it should always be separate or you know just hidden away so people who drink they just go there and get it but it's not in your face like i see cabinets of you know you'll see the star and it's behind the cabinet you have like baby formula condoms and like uh alcohol and it's all like in one section i'm like well that's that's what happens you drink you know but it mm -hmm. shouldn't be that way like you shouldn't have formula behind a glass and next to an alcohol i don't know maybe we yeah, can change something um i hope to one day i really do because it is everywhere a lot of the time i think at some walmarts the alcohol aisle shares the same aisle as the juice and for a long time i was not able to walk down that aisle i mean still even now whenever i go back towards the milk and the the creamer and like the dairy department the alcohol is right there i look at it and now i'm i'm sort of disgusted just because it is everywhere you know like it's on end caps it's they put it next to mixers um they make it look so appealing to the eye to to catch you and to make you consume it's consumerism yeah just like vapes yeah you know they like oh it's a better cigarette what the fuck are you talking about it's a better cigarette people are coming down with severe issues with their lungs now because you know you hooked all these children with these beautiful little pens with flavors of you know galore and now they're all getting sick yeah. and they're having lung cancer at, you know, 20. I mean, what the fuck? So it's In the same opinion, thing. In my I feel like the, the vapes are actually more addictive than cigarettes. I have yes. had my experience with a vape. I will go to sleep with it. I will take it everywhere. I will hit it all, like, constantly, all the time. And being an addict, I mean, I, I, get, I get really addictive or hyper fixated on things that I really like. So it was really easy for me to, in a sense, abuse a vape. It's, I don't, there's something else in those. I don't think it's necessarily just the nicotine. No, there's some, some ingredients just to get you going. Yeah. I mean, the amount of smoke that comes out, like when people put, you know, stuff in it that is not nicotine. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And then back on the, like, the alcohol being everywhere, like, same with the gas stations. Alcohol is in the coolers right when you walk in. It's right, there's airplane shooters right by the register. It's in your face. It's everywhere. It took me a really long time to get comfortable with the idea of even going into the gas station. I'm still a little uncomfortable with it just because that was my place to go to get alcohol. Yeah. And, you know, I'm still, even with three years of sobriety, I'm still faced with that intrusive thought on there it is, you know, I could buy it. Nobody would know, but mm -hmm. that all comes down to, you know, your dedication to your sobriety. A thought is just a thought and then it passes. You don't have to act on all the thoughts you have. And it's okay to think them because everybody has thoughts. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people start off at the gas station, you know, rolling with yeah, some older people, you know, get the cheapest beer and all that. Yep. But it's totally different from when I was a teenager. And I mean, I can't even talk about Poland because I was buying beer for my dad and like the counter was above my head. Right. And my dad would send me to get his smokes and some beer and i would just put my money on top of the counter say my dad needs blah 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 and literally they gave me that and i'm yeah. a kid that came and reached the counter it's for my dad yeah i mean in europe alcoholism you know kids at nine are alcoholics so it's yeah it's all about 
accessibility and no accountability mm-hmm. anyone else from adults so maybe we can change that maybe we can put in petition i mean what the hell we can always just try to remove alcohol from the view don't put fucking alcohol next to milk or you know it's just common sense they want you to have a problem because then you it's a big business inform yeah yeah keeps the healthcare going keeps the you know all these companies going and at some point you're like you know what i'm not gonna make you a millionaire not on my health i'm not gonna participate in your product you know we do that with other products that are lethal or you know people say i'm not gonna go to this restaurant because of their views you know people can make a stand and say i'm not gonna participate in this you know i'm not gonna purchase from this company or that just because i don't like their views or what they're doing with the employees or whatever you know why can't we do that with them i'm not gonna give you my money so there is a there we can do that we can all stand up and just say we want a healthier society i mean people are raging about uh red 40 Ooh, it's in our food what about other shit think about that yeah, that's gonna that's gonna be a, a pretty tough fight, but I plan on spending the rest of my life fighting that fight because I think it's yeah. important, and I think education about it is also very important too. Yeah, I, I think I think the stigma of addiction and alcoholism and being a drug addict, I think it we need to get rid of it and we need to talk about it more. I think and people go... need to stop being afraid and face. Yeah, and go to the to the root of the cause for this pandemic. Because it's easy yeah, to move people, you know, to the side and off oh, they're homeless or they're, you know. But how did they get there? It wasn't just them. Mm-hmm. When you, yeah. you when booze is cheaper than food, there is a problem. Or good food, healthy food. You know, you can get something for two bucks a bottle. You can't eat for two dollars a good meal. But people make a choice, so mm-hmm. they're drunk, they don't have to eat. It's, yeah. Something has to be done about that. And McDonald's is not nutrition. No. Yeah, you can get a dollar menu, but is that food? No. It's bleached fries and whatever else they do with this food. So what, I mean, I know that in addiction, when you stop something, you start something else. Like you said about the vape or whatever, like People will replace, you know, what they're addicted to. Hopefully nothing that's going to, you know, mess them up again, like cheese or chocolate or, you know, they just replace it. Did you did you have to replace it with something or how are you do, doing now? Like um, I, I really early in recovery, I replaced it with food, um, sugar. And that has that's been a battle for me. Um, up until this year, because I, I I don't know what it has to do with exactly. I haven't really done much research on it, but that sugar, I craved sugar a lot. So like lots of candy and junk food and stuff like that. But then I would say probably about maybe six months to eight months into recovery, I replaced the alcohol and the drugs with living a cleaner life eating better, um, working on my health, exercising. I used to um, walk like six miles a day, do yoga an hour a day. Um, I just, I tried to replace it with positive things. Uh, My mom helped me with meditation, um, connecting more with my higher power, uh, trying to figure out who I was, what I actually liked, because in addiction, I forgot about all the things I enjoyed and what I liked doing. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, who who was I before? Like, yeah, I think that's. Yeah. For me, I re- I forgot. I forgot a lot of things. I forgot about my childhood, um, just things I really enjoyed. And it was a, it was a really dark place in the beginning to not know what I like to do or who I was. Yeah. My, you were a giggling child, that's for sure. <laughs> we used to, yeah, hang out with mom and you and my oldest. We were just pals in the back of a car and 
giggling around. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's it's tough to it's like you there's two people in one. It's like mm -hmm. before and after. But that's good. Like yeah, meditation. Yeah. Finding a healthy new habit. Um uh, I think that's the key. But I think sugar mm -hmm. Because sugar is, you know, created the dopamine effect. And a lot of alcohol had, I don't know what your choice was, but a lot of alcohol has sugar as well. Mm -hmm. I think that makes us crave it yeah. even more. Sugar is more addictive than cocaine. Sugar is very addicting. Because like you said, that the dopamine in your brain. Um, it's instant. So it makes you... Yeah, it makes you instant gratification. It wants you to have more, more and yeah. more and more. And I feel like being an an um, alcoholic and addict, I'm even more vulnerable to that because I take things in excess. So the sugar with the dopamine, and then more and more and more. So at one point, no amount of sugar was ever enough, and that led to binge eating. And then I had to find the healthy balance in that, and that felt like going through addiction all over again. Right. So I'm lucky enough that I could realize that and I knew what I sort of needed to do to not consume as much sugar, that self-control, that determination. Yeah, I think that's the, also a key, like realizing, okay, this is another addiction and just snap out of it. Obviously not easy, but uh, for people with, you know, that kind of and personality addictive personalities it's that personally i think it's that um the alcoholic gene in mm -hmm. my brain so what um what else would you share with people who are struggling young people old people any people um i feel like they just have to make that decision that's like number one you don't have to hit rock bottom. You don't have to wait till you do that. But a lot of people are not ready. Well, they're not ready regardless, but maybe you don't have to hit the rock bottom to realize, you know, this is why I'm doing it. This is what I'm doing. Kind of assess yourself and don't be afraid to reach out because, you know, you're very strong and you decided I'm going to do it you know, by myself, but some people are not as strong. And like you said, also, if you reached out for more help, then you could have done it earlier, but maybe you'll succeed, you know, the rest of your life because of that, because you did it the harder way. But yeah, people need to um, know that... There is a pattern and there is a help. I would say that you are worthy of being happy. <clears throat> you are worthy of love and no one is too far gone and you can do it. Um, I don't, I don't think that if I would have reached out for help, I could have done it earlier. I think the time that it happened was just when it was going to happen I think it would have made it easier for if I would have reached if I could have because in my situation I couldn't reach out for help I couldn't go to a treatment facility I I was stuck inside of my house I was not allowed to leave I was not allowed to have a job I wasn't allowed to have friends there was a bunch of different factors that played into my um, story but I think if someone's wanting to start recovery, I think it's really important to reach out for help. And I think it just really all comes down to, do you want it? And what are you willing to do to get it? Yeah. And see, you know, this, the future. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, at first you, you can't, I'm, me personally, I didn't see the future. I just had to trust in the process. I had to trust that it was it was going to be okay. And now this far along in my recovery, it's at the point where it's either be sober or die. I know that if I relapse, I am going to die. 
I will go harder than I have ever gone before from the guilt and the shame and it, there's just no other option and that keeps me going oh yeah that's scary it's the facts yeah <laughs> that's it's, how I look at it it is the truth it is what can happen and it happens but knowing what who's around you you know your mom and dad and your sister like an amazing group of people I think and you're out of that relationship mm -hmm. so there are things that have improved and you know you're going up in your life and you're doing good work you know working other uh, people and helping others I think that's amazing thank you and you know because you found something that's working for others i think you're getting stuff out of that as well yeah it it not only does it it help them it does help me in my recovery as well being in that environment right and i think that will help i mean it's a daily struggle no matter what you know, how far you've come or whatever. It will be always daily. But you can just yeah, think about it. It's there. Okay. And then. Exactly. Yeah. Three years in, I still think about drinking and using. But it's a thought and the thought passes. We don't right. have to act on it. So listen, people. It's just a thought. And the feeling you you have to be able to let it go find a way because everyone's worth it it doesn't matter if you're a teenager if you're middle age old age anyone can do it anyone can start their journey and it doesn't matter how many times you've tried because you will try and you will fail and you will try again as long as you keep trying that's the key. Yeah. yeah, no one is too far gone. And you just keep showing up. You keep yeah. going. You relapse. You keep You keep going. I just say, hang up and try again. Style again. Yeah. It's like you wake up in the morning and you're like, I have a whole day to succeed. Mm -hmm. But now I'm thinking about that. Legis legislation <laughs> I think young people should really do that not just young people but we all should just stand up and maybe change the law mm -hmm. even if it helps you know to remove it and for next generations Going to the store, they don't have to be bombarded by all this shit in their face. Yeah, because it is triggering. Like your eyes will just, you know, it's a visual trigger. Mm -hmm. So, any, so what else is going on in your life? Close it with something uh, good there. Um. So I'm working on my fourth year of sobriety. Um, I got a, things are finally lining up. Um, I got a really nice job helping others and things have gotten a lot easier this year. It's taken a lot of work and a lot of dedication, but it does get easier and Sobriety and recovery is full of so much peace and love and self-acceptance. And it's just a really beautiful thing. And I wish that I could give the way I feel to everyone who is struggling. Yeah. Well, by talking about it, you are. You can feel good and not go there. Yeah. I'm glad you've 
shared your story and it's it's an ongoing thing so we can revisit you know end of the year there she comes what about you mom what do you think i'm so proud of my child and i think she's helping many of us both of us aren't we inspiring people yes in many ways thank you for having me yes thank you for you know sharing it's not easy it's not easy the to... more you do it the easier it gets. yeah yeah and being honest just... with yourself i'm not i'm not ashamed of it anymore i'm not scared of it that's good yeah i mean what's hiding like it's there you know Secrets keep you sick. Yeah, it's another like, you know, stigma going down. Like, we don't give a fuck what anybody else thinks around here. Exactly. Fuck them. You do you. Yeah. Um, oh. Um, a saying that I really like and I sort of go by is recover loudly to keep others from dying quietly. Perfect. Exactly. Yes. Yes, ma'am. What are good uh, sites that people can go to or call uh, in a specific hotline? If they're looking um, for help, like they don't know where to start. I think I have one on my phone. I know that there there is an app that you can download on your phone on your phone, and it's called Meeting Guide, and it's a um, blue app with a white chair, and that shows you any NA and AA meetings in your area. Okay. And then I'll I'll put some links if you wanna like send me stuff yeah. okay. I know of. There's a there's a behavioral health response hotline and I'm pretty sure that is for um struggling addicts and people who are also struggling with mental health because that's a that's a big thing, like co occurring disorders, mental mm -hmm. health and addiction. And that's um, 1-800-811-4760. Okay. Well, thank you for being on here. Thank you for having me. You're tuning in to Turning Around with Marta, the shit show. First episode of this year. And I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.